0: Hey, you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode
1: 266.
2: One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then,
3: there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.
4: Our lives are different, too.
0: Howdy, 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 do you who fans? I <laughs> hope you're all keeping well and safe. You've had a cracking week and you've all managed to do something. something doctor, who, doctor who, related. who, related. Yes, indeedy. Welcome to 266, everybody. Newbies, newcomers that have jumped on board. Welcome, welcome. Long time listeners, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. In a week where we had another watch along and the mothball. Still kicking around on the Twitter.
5: Yeah. It's
0: pretty and good. And Russell. Yeah.
5: Do you see Russell joined in as well?
0: I cool, think isn't those it?
5: two have, um, yeah, they've got the, they can't leave it, can they? Which is great. I'm, I'm really pleased they've both stuck on Twitter.
0: Mm. It's brilliant. It's very cool. I saw a couple of tweets this morning, in fact, from the Moth. Nothing Doctor Who related, but he's just tweeting out some, some old shows on Britbox that I think he likes.
5: These tweet alongs are great because loads of little details are coming out um, from. Moffitt and, and Russell, mm. uh, that we just probably never, ever would have known. There's loads of little tidbits coming out
0: on Twitter from those, 2 isn't it? Yeah, man. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm loving it. Mm. No, it's great, because those two hold such a, a huge wealth of, of stuff that we'd never have never have heard or read about or anything unless... So I guess that's one of the good things to come out of the lockdown, because unless they were on Twitter doing this stuff, chances are they would never have divulged this maybe, I don't know if there was like a, if they brought a book out in a few years time or something like some behind the scenes stuff or another book in the same style as the writer's tale and stuff, then maybe, but yeah, I don't think we'd get to know any of this stuff. Really? It's really good.
5: I would love it if Moffat did a writer's tale. style book. I think someone asked him once in on stage and he said, no, he would never do it. But I, I just, he's so fascinating on Twitter. The stuff that he, you know, he's very, um, what's the word? He's very honest. Isn't he? He's quite, Candid. Candid, is that the word? Candid, Candid. Yeah, Candid. Yeah. and um, yeah, I just think he would. It would be great if he did a behind the scenes book like Russell did, because Russell's book is is gosh one of the best reads. It's it's a great book, The Writer's Tale. So imagine Moffat doing one of those. It'd Be brilliant.
0: Yeah, it would be It'd be very cool. We've actually got uh, a, a snippet, an exchange between the two of them in our in our new section coming up, mm. which would be good to talk about. Uh, on this day, dude, saw this on mm. Twitter. which is very cool. On this day, back in nineteen sixty six the gunfighters episode two was broadcast was it yeah don't shoot the pianist (laughs) all those moons ago
5: is that what the episode was called
0: yeah don't shoot the pianist Eh.
5: because yeah of course back in the day dot two used to have little subtitles uh not subtitles little episode titles as well as the main story didn't it which i often forget um, oh, did I did I didn't I'd completely forgotten it was called that. That's brilliant. Don't shoot the penis.
0: They're really funny for the gunfighters as well. So episode <laughs> one was called A Holiday for the Doctor. Yeah. Don't shoot the penis. <laughs> then Ep three was Johnny Ringo. And then Ep four was The OK Corral. <laughs> as blimey. expected. Yeah. Brilliant. The gunfighter. Uh, well,
5: wow. does that I can't remember, have I seen is that one that partly exists? I can't remember. I, if I have seen it, it's a long time ago got a feeling that's one that's uh let's have a look. so it looks well maybe it all exists i can't remember but so is that the one where he's got the toothache isn't it
0: that's the one yeah yeah deary me <laughs> dodo dodo yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh crikey uh so yeah that was uh yeah i just saw that on twitter i thought that's really nice um yeah i haven't been up to too much bud over no? the last week no not much You're at all quite. i've had a really busy. uh week with work because it's the bank holiday here in the UK tomorrow we're recording on Thursday the 7th and it's a bank holiday here tomorrow I've So I had loads of stuff to try and get ready and done for the end of week for work so I've been quite busy
5: mm, a busy uh, bee
0: yeah plus it's been we've had Star Wars Day obviously with May the 4th so I've been yeah. doing some a load of stuff on my other podcast for Star Wars and all that jazz so uh, yeah not a lot of time left over for, for Doctor Who but I know that you've been up to Uh, one thing involving a certain blu-ray set i know you've dived into some of that stuff
5: yeah god yeah so yeah i was lucky to get the season 14 blu-ray set which seems to have been an absolute fiasco for a lot of people Uh, i don't know what the hell's going on but seems to be a lot of people having orders cancelled and stop problems i mean i'm gonna guess it's down to two things Uh, i'm gonna guess it's down to the virus perhaps holding up production of the sets possibly because uh, amazon don't seem to have got the the amount they ordered or something uh, and i think it's down to scalpers as well i think the stock that has made it out there these blimmin scalpers have been out and bought them in bucket loads and are selling them on ebay for extortionate prices it's a re- really sad to see so i've got to be honest i was genuinely so grateful um when this plonked through my letterbox uh, the other day. I was just so glad to actually have it in my hands because I would have hated to admit missed out on this one. I really do feel for people who have, you know, some people who ordered it on the day of pre-order and, and haven't, um, their orders have been cancelled. So I'm so glad to have got it because I hate to rub it in, but it's of such a great set, as you can imagine. Um, I've watched a couple of the Behind the Sofas, which is uh, always good fun. I think they've tightened up the editing on these as well because they really flew past i've watched the first three they're normally the first thing i watch as well i don't know about you i I tend to go straight for the behind the sofas because i've normally watched the episodes ourselves a few times so i tend to watch all the extra features first you know all the new stuff um and they've been great fun um you know it's just just brilliant it's nice to see sophie back on the on the panel as well and tom's on there obviously as well um and I, i i did brave it i i went straight in and watched the Sarah Jane, uh, well, Elizabeth Sladen documentary. Uh... Whew. My word, <laughs> my word. It It is beautiful and absolutely heartbreaking. I knew it was going to be. I mean, I, I, I made sure I was on my own because I knew I was going to cry, but I didn't expect to be. I was destroyed in the last 10 minutes because um, Tom Baker's involved in it quite a bit. They talked to him. And he, to see Tom getting so emotional, I tell you, it really, really hit home. <clears throat> it's such a beautiful documentary. Um, but I don't know if, because you, you, has your set arrived yet? Have you got your set?
0: Yeah, I got mine on Monday.
5: Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing, have you had a chance to watch any of it yet?
0: No, nothing, nothing at all. It's on the list for the weekend, dude.
5: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, you you need to prepare yourself for the documentary. But don't get me wrong, it is so good. It is a brilliant documentary but it's gonna wreck you you'll be sat staring at a blank television for about 10 minutes afterwards (laughs) just taking it just letting it just soak in it's it's brilliant um but yeah so i've been i've been working my way through that and um i haven't i think that's it i think i've just watched some of the behind sofas that as i said i haven't watched any of the episodes yet um package is beautiful though golly binding man you he's the man isn't he oh like the it's not just the box and all the stuff, you know, like the little envelope as you open the box, but the booklet as well, I was flicking through it. So much effort goes into these. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's stunning. It's stunning. As I said, I, I, I just hope that they manage to make some more of these sets um, because I do feel so sorry for people that have missed out on this. Um, it's it's such a beautiful set. I mean, any sort of genuine Doctor Who fan that wants this in their collection deserves to have it. It's, it's, it's just brilliant. Um, yeah, it was a so shame you
0: know, I, yeah it was a shame because I saw a few websites that suddenly just put the uh the in stock badge back on the website, so everybody jumped on it as you would expect, yeah, and then they got contacted to say no, we don't have them actually, so it was a real that was more of a I think that's more of a shame than just missing out originally so if you when they first went up for pre order i don't know how many months ago do they went up but um mm. and you didn't get one then that's that's crappy. But then for, uh, and it was a, at least two websites that I saw that said, oh, we've got some in stock now, so jump on and be quick. So people jumped on and thought, yeah, I've got a second bite at the at the cherry. And then they got contacted to say, actually, no, that was a mistake or it's an error or something. So yeah, that sucks, doesn't it?
5: It, it really does. And I, I don't understand how it could happen because way back in the day when I had made it at an online shop, it was very simple. I put in the amount of, the things that I'd got on, you know, on behind the scenes on the website, I'd put in quantity five for sale. And then once those five had gone, that was it. So I don't know how, <laughs> where it goes wrong. Cause it doesn't seem to be just one website. It seems to be a few that have advertised it. People have bought it. And then two hours later, got an email saying, sorry, we can't fulfill the stock. And I I, I don't know the behind the scenes, but if that was me, I'd be fuming because you think you've got it in the bag. You're like, yes, I've got one. Brilliant. And then to get an email to I was like, you must be destroyed. I mean, you you know how fussy I am with my stuff as well. Like, I love things. I always, uh, yeah, bit. yeah. when I go in the shop, <laughs> I pick the best one. And, you know, and so mine arrived with a, a slight ding in one corner of the set. The top right-hand corner is obviously in the post, just bashed against the box. and It was sort of dented in. I thought, ah, oh, that's a bit annoying. But as I said, with something like this, I just cannot complain because I'm just, so glad to have it, do you know what I mean. And it's a tiny, tiny little thing, do you know what I mean. One of my Twitter followers sent me a picture of his set that arrived from Amazon. Absolutely, wow! It's in such a bad state. I mean, if mine had arrived like that, I'd have been in tears. I think. I don't know if you saw the tweet. Did you? I didn't. It, no. The box is all ripped. It's got a massive dent in one of the. It just looks like it's been kicked around the warehouse. I feel so sorry for them. Um, but most of the pictures I've seen, it looks immaculate. <laughs> it's just so, I guess it's just one of those, you know, the luck of the draw. If your postman's having a bad day, he's probably kicked it down the road. But, um, but yeah, I'm just very glad to have got it. Yeah,
0: neat, I hope neat. I
5: hope everybody else gets in. I wish the scalpers would just blimmin' do one because they're just making lives miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, it's just yeah, it's just so annoying to see so many copies for sale on eBay for for literally hundreds of pounds. It's it's crazy. I don't know how they get so many, and I don't know what they can do about limiting these, because even if you put it as one per customer, it's pretty easy to find a way around it. it? So I don't know what we can do to stop this, but um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a yeah. inventory systems, eh? Probably mm-hmm. running on Windows Vista.
5: <laughs> Blimey. That's probably the what it the is. Past. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been working my way for the Sims 14 set. Fantastic so far. Just loving it. And I don't want to rush it as well because on the Monday that I got it, um, obviously I'm at home in the minute because of being furloughed and stuff. So I was like, yes, i got the whole day to watch it. Despite my other half moaning, no, oh, you're always sat on the sofa watching the TV. don't do anything.
2: Steady, so I was thinking, steady. yeah, you can
5: just, yeah, you know, I was just like, you can just, <laughs> my new set's arrived, just leave me alone. I want to watch it. And it was, it was so hard not to just sit there all day and binge it honestly i had to sort of tell myself right that's enough save some for tomorrow leave the sofa for 10 minutes you know it was i could have literally just sat and blitzed the whole lot i think um it, it's that good uh the only other thing i've been doing is um i've been jumping into a lot of the Who alex live streams and they watched the war machines the heartless story
0: oh no nice, the, the, the other yeah. night
5: and um Earth, i can't remember when we reviewed that we did review it didn't we we did ages ago yeah ages ago yeah it's it's always been a heartless story that i really enjoy um so i was hoping that they would enjoy it because it's that thing of you know when your friends watch something you really like and you just think oh i hope they enjoy it hope they like it hope they see what i see in it and i wasn't sure how that was going to go um but yeah they both loved it it was such a it was great it was just so good to see them engrossed in it and i wasn't sure how live from the hill alex was going to Get on with Hartnell. I thought she'll either like him straight away, or she'll think he's too abrasive, and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she really liked him, so that was good and really great to watch that story again. It's um, it's a good one. That it's a good one. The War Machines.
0: It's very good. Do you want to know what we scored it? Yeah, I'm actually trying to find it now as we speak. Go on, yeah. It was episode seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. There. We go, uh, yeah. Which is quite a while ago now, and we both gave it an eight.
5: An eight. An eight really? out of ten. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's not a great exit for Dodo. That's probably why I knocked off a score. Because she literally, um what is it? She she gets a headache, doesn't she? She goes, oh, I've got a bit of a headache. I'm going to go and take right. her. Yeah. going to take some time out. And then we never see her again.
0: <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that was back on the 19th of February, 2016. Blimey. We did that. Yeah.
5: It is an early one. I'd forgotten that when they tell Hartnell, he's like, where's Dodo then at the end? And they're like, oh, she's she's not coming back, Doctor. She's, Here's her key. She's she's off. There's a really funny bit where he's like, oh, how ungrateful the girl. Or he starts getting all <laughs> huffy, doesn't he? I've forgotten about
0: that. Oh, I love him <laughs> when he's like that, though.
5: I do. And I really <laughs> wanted to watch. I'm pretty sure. I'm not definite, but I'm pretty sure. Because at the end of The War Machines, Polly and Ben sneak into the TARDIS. I'm pretty sure it's the next story that when Hartnell... Finds them in there that he goes, ape. <laughs> I'm sure that's, the, I'm sure. Last time I watched that, like, absolutely creasing up because I think he goes mad when he discovers them, but I, I can't remember. I need to watch it. What's the story after? Is it the smugglers or something? I'm sure he kicks off. He's like, how, how dare you come into the, the, the ship? And he starts going mad.
0: Oh, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's literally within 10 seconds of the it's next the one. It's the very first scene, yeah. The I smugglers. really want to
5: go yeah. on and watch it. In fact, I might watch it later, just even if it's just that scene. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. the smugglers. Yeah, 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 brilliant, yeah. Just that's remember it. loving that. Yeah. So that's been me pretty much. Watch alongs and tweet along to Russell and Moffat and season 14. But I'm really looking forward to you getting into your set, mate. You're, you're going to love it. Just gonna love
0: it. Yeah, I can't wait, dude. It's uh, I'm gonna uh, shove a couple of hours into that the weekend.
5: Yeah, brilliant. Yes. It's really nice, isn't it, to have it just there? It's mm. like a little little treasure trove, just waiting for you to open it. <laughs> little yeah.
0: treasure trove. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
5: brilliant. <laughs> yes,
0: indeedy. Uh So that's what we've been up to. Um, so coming up in today's show, we've got one bit of news, a couple of bits of merch to go through, and then we're on to our review of. The first part of The uh, the Trial of a Time Lord, which is The Mysterious Planet, which is going to kick off our month. So those of you that didn't catch the end of the show last week, we're going to dedicate all of May to the sixth Doctor story, The Trial of a Time Lord, because we need to get through this box set. Adam and I have spoken at great length Mm -hmm. on previous occasions about how the heck we're going to get through (laughs) and do this review. So we're just going to plough through it all. So we're going to get on to... um, Onto the first part later on in the show in the meantime sorry before we get on that though however make sure you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on so that you don't miss a show when that lands every friday or head over to the website Big Blue podcast at UK. you can listen to all of the shows on there plus there are buttons to link off to the various um, apps and networks and we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook give us a like and a follow over there as we chat doctor who throughout the week and on the website we had a bunch of reviews that went up from our awesome writing team we had the Big Finish story uh, the sixth Doctor story Cry of the Voltress which looks pretty good Mm. Uh, and then we had uh, Jordan diving into the recent spin-off the new Countermeasures oh yeah uh, which looks interesting so uh, the Mavellan Maneuver and the Dalek Gambit both look pretty decent so head over Mm. there and read those all looks pretty good uh right dude should we uh should we land and do a bit of news
5: we should uh, just before you do though mate um uh, before talking of reviews <laughs> before someone goes and knocks a star off for my terrible memory again it can't <laughs> be the smugglers that he's kicking off because apparently according to wiki it doesn't exist so i must be mixing up with another story so forgive my useless memory but there is an episode where harnell kicks off about someone sneaking the tardis i I can't remember what it is. Somebody out there can let us know when they've listened to the pod, because I really want to watch it again. No, it's definitely
0: <laughs> one of the following episodes to that I remember. I'm <laughs> sure it is. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. yeah. It's literally within the first 10, 20 seconds a story just after that one. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just wanted to clarify that. Right, let's do some <laughs> let's do some news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so first up in a bit of an exchange between uh, the mothball and Russell T Davis. When we were doing the watch along uh, the other day, uh, there was a bit of a, a bit of a, a huge trivia bomb that landed from the moth
2: mm.
0: that uh, I think a few people had spoken about in in the past, but had not really taken it any further. It was just one of those little fleeting conversations, like "Oh, yeah, that could be," yeah, and then you leave it alone. But in the in the story, uh, Silence in the Library we have a scene where later on in the episode um there's a a character that that turns up called dr moon mm, dr moon dr moon yes and at first glance i think on the surface everybody just thought that okay that's he's uh he is a doctor after all there's no there's no um relation to the character of the doctor or anything like that but then the mothball dropped this uh just in a, in a random tweet, and everybody was like, "What, what, 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 what?" <laughs> uh, and even Russell himself was like, uh, "Was really into this uh, conversation." So uh, they started talking about River. Uh, originally, they were saying that um, obviously uh, in the story, um, the uh, River says goodbye to the Doctor that she knew originally, and then their timelines start to go in opposite directions, and she starts meeting the younger. Uh, or the previous incarnation should i say of the doctor and so on and then the moff goes on to say that uh, uh the um the doctor worried at some he was worrying that river would get lonely um uh, as she sort of forgets meeting the doctor and all that stuff and uh and he he put himself into um uh, his, well his mind i suppose into the moon or a moon uh, around that time frame of Science in the library and uh, Russell like sort of jumps on this. He's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that you wrote this and that you forgot that you wrote it. This is all amazing." Mm. And uh, and then the moth goes on to say that yes, the the every time he watches this story, he thinks back to that character Doctor Moon that we see later on, and he says quite obviously amusingly to himself that that is the Doctor that mm. that that's a, a future incarnation of the doctor and nobody knew at the time nobody clocked that um, that in his mind he had worked out this whole storyline of you know however many hundreds or thousands of years in the future uh, that this character would be would be the doctor and so when he dropped that bomb everybody started thinking actually yeah, that does work that that might actually work and everyone went nuts for it so it's just another awesome thing that came out of the whole Uh, tweet along and these little nuggets of of awesomeness that both the moth and russell have been dropping during these watch alongs so um Mm. uh, but what a bombshell do because we had this whole at the end of series 12 there was a, a huge bomb that was dropped by the chibbers wasn't there about uh not just the the potential future um uh regenerations for the for the current doctor and how they might handle that because at that point we always assumed that with Matt Smith, Doctor, we had a fresh reset of, of 12 yeah. regenerations and how they were going to do that moving forward. But they kind of got around that, didn't they? they he very quietly and subtly just said, well, the Doctor's immortal, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be an infinite number of, of Doctors before and, and to come. So uh, we already had the whole mind-melting breaking the internet of that stuff. And now the moth drops this one. Actually, yeah, we've, you've already seen one of them. He popped up <laughs> yeah. in his story, so yeah. this was really cool, mate. This is a, a really cool little little thing that everyone jumped onto. Did you think this was cool?
5: Yeah, I did. Naughty old Moff. Um, no, I just I love it actually, and it's weird because I um I really like, uh, Science and Library. I think it's a great two parter. Um, I haven't watched it for a while, so it'd be interesting next time I do go back and watch it to sort of put that idea into my head as it, as I'm watching it. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great idea. It's a typical Moffat. I think he's itching to come back. You know. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing these days. I don't know what he's working on. I'm sure he's keeping himself busy, but he—I love the fact he's still involved in it. Um, he's still clearly got a passion, isn't he, for Doctor Who, as has Russell. And I—I think all this watch along and all this interaction, and you know, bearing in mind that uh, Moffat was originally driven off Twitter because he used to be on it, and then you know due to the negativity back in the day he left because it was just well why would you want to be on there just getting that all the time so it's great that he's come back and he's in a much more positive place and the fandom in terms of his era seems to have you know reflected on it and is in a much more positive place so i think um both him and russell were just finding this sort of newfound you know inner love uh, again that's always been there but you know we like with most things. You walk away, you move on, you do something else. But then you always come back to that special thing, don't you? Mm. And I, yeah. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not Russell so much, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the mothball penning an episode again one day, not too in the not too distant future. I just I could just see him doing it because I, I think he'd love to write for Jodie. I I just feel like he would love to have a go at writing a story for her. Um, I have nothing to back this up I just feel that's just what my gut feeling is and just just seeing his stuff on Twitter I I can just imagine that happening and i would be all for it actually because um, I think that the, the pressure of being a showrunner got to the it a bit towards the end of the show I think he said it himself you know he was struggling to pull ideas out of the hat and stuff and he's you know he's, I think he said so like, I was just making it up as I went along or so you know this is what I love about him he's so honest um, but I think when the pressure's off and you just allowed freedom to you know, oh, if you fancy writing a story, you could be working on one now and there'd be no pressure to finish it. You could just be thinking, Yeah, when I've you know, when I've got this to a place that I feel is good enough, I might just give the old chibbers a ring and say, oh, I've just found this script down the back of the sofa you might want to use, you know. So, I, I just yeah, I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. Yeah, imagine, imagine no, if for the 60th, God, my mind's going into overdrive now. <laughs> imagine for the 60th, if you got chibbers, RTD, and Moffitt all all writing coming together to write the 60 i mean it wouldn't happen but imagine that
0: imagine that would be of awesome.
5: Them. yeah imagine if it could be carnage in the writing room imagine if they disagreed on stuff and you know the writer's <laughs> room turned into a bloodshed at the writer's room <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah it would be amazing to get those three together just to see what they come up with
0: yeah it would be great actually i think um i don't think he's the only thing uh he did that dracula series earlier on this year yeah i think he did with mark gattis i think yes um, that's right there's, yeah. yeah there's nothing else on his radar i don't think i think he's writing something like a remake of jekyll which i think is going to be another Oh, uh,
2: yeah TV he's doing series.
0: some what did i see did you watch that dracula by the way i did
5: yes first two yeah. episodes of blimey brilliant when they third one was i don't know i think the mothball had, had a couple of glasses too many by episode 3 he was on the wine was, wasn't he yeah it was definitely trying to be different i'll give it that but the first <laughs> i mean particularly the first two episodes the one on the boat episode 2 mm. fantastic stuff yeah. really really creepy scary stuff
0: yeah so i think he's continuing the horror theme he's going to do a jekyll <clears throat> a jekyll remake for tv it sounds like but mm. other than that he's not got much else on lazy bugger <laughs> yeah. least he could do is write some who
5: yeah come again.
0: on off I, I like the idea of that though for the 60th get yeah get them all back in and do like this epic big
5: it would be thing. good but would it be too many cooks I don't know it could go either way couldn't it it could either be brilliant and be the absolute coming together of three you know Doctor Who minds or it could just be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen and yeah, you know, machetes <laughs> flying and
0: yeah, you can imagine him so just hoying walls. His, his bottle of wine at the wall again.
5: And, <laughs> yeah, a bottle of red, yeah. smashing past Chibbers's head. <laughs>
0: We're not doing the Daleks. <laughs> no. He's fed up with the bloody Daleks, and then Chibbers is like, yeah, but they're great. Oh, shut up. You yeah, haven't been doing it that long. Shut up.
5: Hello, Mark Gates is, yeah. is at the kitchen door. Could I just... Uh, no, Mark, <laughs> you're not in this. <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. We can but dream. Russell's just sitting there twilling his thumbs like... You yeah. lot you lot just argue amongst yourselves. You I've just got get this. On with it. I've got this, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh so there we go. Yeah, it's a lovely it was a lovely little nugget of of trivia that came out of the moth's mind that was just really cool. And it does uh I imagine they've got loads of those. Like if if they were to sit down and talk and record it and or write it even, I'm sure there'd be loads of those little things and then we'd have to go back and watch them all again and then you'd be like penny drop moment, you'd be like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it makes yeah. sense, yeah.
5: Joe, you know I love about the moth as well. I'm just thinking about him, and I'm I'm thinking about every time we've seen him at a BFI event or or um you know, not a con, but just a sort of a casual event where he's turned up to be part of the audience or be on stage. He always just comes out, he's, he always seems happy to just come out and sign, and it's like he feels like, yep, yeah, right, okay, I've done it here, I, you know, I'll just get, plunk my bottle of wine on the side like he did at the before Come on then, let us let me sign all these. He, he never seems to have an issue with it. And I, I don't know, maybe I can only talk by my experience. I've seen him a few times. You know, the class premiere, he just stood at his table with a glass of wine and was happy to sign all day long and i just love the fact that he's just so come on then he just gets on with it it's none of this oh i haven't got time now or you know it's you know it, i just i just like them off i got a bit i got a fondness for him i really have
0: yeah no I i've have, still yeah.
5: got my wine. and it is wine stained i've still got my wine stained class postcard signed by him <laughs> he's spilled wine <laughs> all Red over wine. It. Yep. yeah great I i do like the man
0: <laughs> yeah, we gave him a fair bit of uh, of stick back in the day when we were reviewing some of the uh, <laughs> some of his era. We really did. We 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 gave him some stick, but at the same time, he also did some some amazing Doctor Who
5: but what i like he's yeah. always um he does take on board criticism though he doesn't he's quite happy to he gives as good as he gets but he will take criticism that's what i like even in interviews and stuff he's quite happy to say if he's got something wrong he was talking about the kiss wasn't he the other day Amy kissing the doctor oh, yeah. at the end of whatever episode that is, which I've always disliked that bit where she throws Matt against the TARDIS. It all gets a bit. Ooh. And he did say the other day, yeah, I was wrong. You know, he said in my head it was great. But and they told me not to do it. But I, <laughs> you know, I still went ahead with it. He said, but looking at it now, it's wrong. And I think, yeah, you know, he's, he will admit and he's got something wrong. Again, that's what I like about him. He, he does take criticism on the chin, but he will tell you if he thinks you're wrong <laughs> as well. Oh, of which, course. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is great.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, all good. So there we go. Some little trivia being dropped there by our previous showrunners, which is great. Yeah. Some merch, dude.
5: Well, I'll get old grumpy ball bearings in <laughs> then. <laughs> merch corner.
3: Merch corner. Merch
1: Corner. it's a bit
3: rubbish but it's pretty it's very pretty well there you are young man what do you think of that now eh a viking helmet i
1: know it's on the telly it's everywhere i don't know whether
3: to be
2: impressed or disgusted i
4: work in a shop now here to help
0: <laughs> oh grumpy
2: have you get is he
5: he looks a bit shiny has he had a new paint job but you haven't given him a you haven't been giving him a paint over have you We've buffed him up. He looks a bit shiny. Yeah, he looks like he's glowing.
0: We had to do something, dude. <laughs> we had to do something. In our garden, in the back he garden. He was letting himself go, wasn't he? Well, yeah. In the back garden, there's just uh, there's a, some track lines that just run around the outside of the lawn, <laughs> where he's just going round and round and round and round. I like, attached you
5: know, a mow to him the other day. He went mad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as a result, he's got bits of grass and mud all over him and... Cleaned him up a bit. He's still not happy. He's never going to be happy, is he? But
5: no, he's never happy. There we
0: go. Uh, he has let us know that we got some cool Big Finish on the way. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this one is because uh, this was recorded completely uh, remotely Yeah. during the lockdown. So uh, in a few days' time, on the 12th of May, we're going to have Doctor Who's Shadow of the Sun uh, landing at Big Finish. And it's uh, going to star Tom as Fourth doctor, obviously. Louise Jameson and John Leeson as K9, dude. Yeah, K9. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been written by Rob Valentine. So uh, this is kind of cool because uh, it can be very difficult to, as a podcaster, I know it can be very difficult to try and get your audio, especially for vocal tracks sounding as good as they can be when you've not got the ideal environment. Mm. Now, usually the guys at Big Finish have got, uh, they haven't got like a huge, massive state-of-the-art studio, but they do have a very good uh, couple of booths to record in. So they've got it very well sound-treated and they've got decent equipment and stuff. And then their post-processing is very good. But that's when you've got the ideal uh, environment to do that in. So when you've just got somebody at home in their <laughs> front room or their kitchen and they've got we don't know what type of microphone equipment they've got or anything like that, it can be a real challenge for the audio engineers to try and get that sounding as good. So I'm really intrigued to see or to hear how this is going to sound as they've all done it remotely from their homes. And also you've got the compression factor as well. So when you're recording over Skype or Zoom, whatever, they compress the audio down so that it doesn't, you know, so the bandwidth isn't as high. So to try and, stop lag and all that sort of stuff so the audio is not going to be as clean anyway when it comes through at the other end so i'm really intrigued to find out what's going on and the story itself sounds kind of cool so the blurb they've got with this one is uh, after an accident the tardis lands on a luxury star liner leaving their ship to repair itself the doctor leader and K9 find themselves facing a great terror mingling at a cocktail party <laughs> uh, something seems awry behind to the pleasantries however Guests are going missing and equipment is breaking down. When the Doctor investigates further, he discovers that the Starliner is literally on course for disaster. Mm. Uh, But no one seems surprised by this information, still less troubled. What's going on? And can the Doctor and his friends save everyone when nobody wants to be saved? Mm. That sounds intriguing.
5: It does sound good, doesn't it?
0: Yes. And uh, this is also the first uh due to lockdown and everything this is the first big finish story that will be a digital first release so the mail out of the physical edition the cds are going to be obviously delayed uh, because Mm. of what's going on but you will be able to download it from the big finish website or if you've got the app you'll be able to grab it from there as soon as that's released so uh that might be a good testing ground for them actually because i know that over the past year or so they've they've cut down on the the amount of physical releases yeah and I've really tried to push the digital stuff so this might be a good test to see if people will actually I know it's not exactly a fair test because a lot of people will have to do it but it might be a good sort of dip their toe in the water to be like okay maybe we could push out the digital stuff and not worry too much about uh the time it takes to get cds out to people but yeah this sounds like a cool story anyway dude
5: yeah. yeah, I do. I like the um, I like the blurb. It does sound does sound fun, doesn't it? And uh, I'm wondering how quickly they've thrown this together because uh, Nick Briggs has said, you know, the, the fourth Doctor stuff. They've recorded so much um, that I think for the next two years they've got the releases already recorded. So to sort of throw this together and get it out there so quick, um, it is intriguing to see how it how it works. Uh, I I've pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it the other day. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. Uh even the cover's good. Like the cover doesn't look like it's been mashed together in five minutes, does it? I mean, it looks like someone spent a lot of time on that.
0: Yeah, Simon Holub it, Is it who is it? Simon Holub
5: Yeah, well, he's done a great job. He's really, really good. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. So and obviously they will have had to learn their lines. So, I mean, I know they're sat there reading it from a script, but obviously you've still got to get your head around the words and stuff. So yeah, it's it's great that they've sort of thrown this together so quickly. And um I, I look forward to it. I hope it's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna to listen to this, mate. I think it's gonna be good. So it's eight ninety nine digital, which you can pre order now. Or if you want to order or pre order the C D when that finally arrives, you'll get that and that's ten ninety nine. So as always though, if you do order the C D you get the digital version anyway. So you'll be able to listen to it on day one if you so choose to.
5: They did post a great picture of Tom recording it from his home as well over
0: uh looks like zoom zoom yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which is great isn't it got his headphones just, on and he's into it you can tell and
5: he is isn't he look at his face he's just he's just loving it and i love that man <laughs> i just love tom <laughs> yeah
0: so there we go um uh shadow of the sun landing on uh the when was it 12 something like that 12th of may yeah there we go
5: Right, moving on. Uh I think last week or the week before we t- or maybe a couple of weeks ago I've lost track of time in this lockdown. We spoke about the Master Annual, which is um part of the unofficial annuals, uh Doctor Annuals that have been coming out from now help me out with this
0: mate, Terra <laughs> I think it's Terra Terracaius. chaos Distributors. Or, or Terraqueus. One of the two.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Available to order from Lulu.com. That's a lot easier to say. Um so they've done a couple of these. They did uh, the nineteen eighty seven Doctor Who annual, which you know never came out back in the day, so they made one. And they've did this unofficial master one. And the one we're talking uh, the reason we're talking about it again is because uh, there's a chance to get twenty percent off using the code all in capitals. It's here. So if you go to www.lulu.com, and put in It's Here, uh, case sensitive, you'll get 20% off this. These are printed to demand, um, and basically they are designed to look like the annuals did back in the day. So you've got uh, Alistair Pearson, who's one that you know, used to do all the artwork for Doctor Who back in the day, Paul Cook, Andy Walker, and Smuzz. <laughs> Smuzz. Um, they're all contributing, and now, although I haven't got this myself... Um, I did see a couple of friends who had bought this, tweet some pictures of it. And I've got to say, it looked great. It really does look good. It's just anybody who knows the old annuals will know the style of artwork and text that they used to use, and they've really nailed it. It just looks like it would fit straight in with all those other annuals. So, um, yeah, if you want the master annual, go and have a look at it. Gary will put a link in the podcast notes. And um, I'll give you the price. It's 20 where is it 23 32 32, because obviously that's just the the, you know the print cost and stuff print to demand plus shipping and you'll get 20% off that
0: yeah I think it brings it down to about 18 pounds yeah I think yeah we're 20% off but these are these are lovely to look at and I it's really cool that they've decided the that the art direction should mimic the old style of of annuals and they've They've really done that, like they, especially the front cover art. It just looks like it was plucked out of mm. the seventies. It looks really, really cool.
5: It does. You got a Delgado on the
0: front there, just looking yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so go and check that out. If you're a fan, if you picked, especially if you picked up the previous ones, I think they did a sixth Doctor one. Yeah, uh, did they do a seventh as well? I can't remember, but uh, I have a feeling they might have done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just go and check that. Out. I'll put a link in the sh- in the in the show notes. It looks very very cool. Mm. Uh, that's it for news and merch, that's the That's your lot. That is your <laughs> lot. yes. Uh, right, it's review time. We're going to have to slam into this full force, mate, and get through it. What have we, we got? Are.
5: Yeah, so we are diving into the trial of a Time Lord season, Colin Baker, starting with the first story, of course, The Mysterious Planet.
2: Turn on to the new season of entertainment on BBC One. Doctor Who returns, only to find he's on trial. would it be too much to ask what all this is about? It is my unpleasant task, Madam Inquisitor, to prove to the inquiry that the Doctor is an incorrigible meddler in the affairs of other peoples and planets. Not guilty! I order you to work! Well, that should just about do it. Use your tracer disc! It must be brought back!
1: I am Catrita! A-
0: Doctor Who returns for a new series in the new season of entertainment on BBC One. On oh, BBC One, <laughs> another great trailer. Love those old trailers, yeah. So the Mysterious Planet. I don't think it was broadcast as that, was it? When it first went out, was it called the Mysterious Planet?
5: Oh, I think. So. I, was don't it? I, so. I don't oh, okay. know. Assume so. Okay.
0: Okay, uh, yeah. So this was first broadcast back in the on the sixth of September, nineteen eighty-six, and it finished up at the end of the month, the twenty-seventh. It was written by Robert Holmes, uh, overseen by Eric Sayward, and directed by Nicholas Mallet. Obviously, stars Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor and Nicola Bryant as Perry, with a, a dozen about a dozen supporting cast members, which we all no doubt forget. All of their names, (laughs) as you would expect, and yeah. yeah, So trial of a Time Lord. It's um, it was the it was the series twenty three. Essentially, it's like the whole series, isn't it? Of series twenty three, and yeah, uh, they, they, they. It was like an overarching thing where the Doctor is essentially on trial. So it starts with at the start of this one, he gets summoned. Uh, to the high council where he uh, he's up on charges bless him he's uh, up on charges of harmful interference to the course of events during his space-time excursions and uh, apparently due to those charges he has uh, threatened the sanctity of the universe and uh, the doctor's not happy about this and um, he pleads his case obviously to the inquisitor she's overseeing everything uh, and he kind of yeah, he's not taking it too seriously, and um, he's a little bit, uh, a little bit miffed about it. However, uh, the dude that's prosecuting the Valeyard seems to have a pretty good case, as we see towards the end of the story, uh, and that's only because we, as we find out later on, I no spoilers. If you haven't watched the rest of the other stories of the Trial of a Time Lord, um, actually, yeah, I'll keep that under wraps just in case people it's like the first time they've they've seen it but uh yeah the veilyard is uh his motives and what and how he's got the doctor to this point is not quite as it seems and uh he's essentially making it the point of his life to uh to to get the doctor found guilty and the punishment will be death apparently <laughs> uh so yeah so this is like the first phase of the veilyard's plan essentially is to review the past interactions of this uh of the of the doctor where they land on a planet called Ravalox with Perry, and they uh, they're essentially just having a look around. Really, um, Perry wants to find somewhere fairly quiet and nice. And but we're, you know, as as the case of all Doctor Who, as soon as they land there, something's not right. The Doctor wants to investigate. There's another couple of dudes on this planet, uh, Glitz and uh, Dobber, who are the <laughs> um, who are out, all out, all in it for the money, essentially. And there's uh, that the planet was ravaged by fire many centuries ago, and uh, when they arrive there, they kind of find out that things aren't quite right. This is uh, they find a London Underground sign, and and uh, which Perry she's kind of got this feeling, hasn't she, that this is like a planet of dread and something's not right. She wants to leave, mm. and the doctor wants to investigate. And then it's uh, there's like an underground system of people that have lived in the uh, in these tunnels. And then there's a group of people, the free, the free lot who are a top side because the people in the tunnels underneath have been fed a lie. Essentially, they've been told that the planet's still on fire. Uh, It's not habitable, but it's fine. There's a, there's a tribe of people who are doing pretty well. Mm. So the first part, do mysterious planet. What you got on this one?
5: Mm. it's funny because on paper it sounds quite intriguing doesn't it a planet that's like earth, marble arch signs, ravish fire it does sound quite good and it's written by Robert Holmes as well who's a great writer for Doctor Who Um, it's funny because every time I put this on that just that open shot takes me back to when I was a kid first watching this and I remember thinking at the time (laughs) because Doctor Who had been off air for over a year it was quite troubled times for Doctor Who, so I was like, you know, I remember sitting there waiting for this to come on, and you see that glorious opening shot, and I remember thinking, "Whoa, Doctor Who may have been off for a year, but it's back!" And obviously, it's going to look at this, and then we cut to the courtroom, and um, it pretty much goes downhill from there. Really, is it? it's sort of <laughs> it's it's a plodder, um, and I must admit, watching it again yesterday, I. The first two episodes, I was sort of enjoying it. I was thinking, okay, actually, yeah, there's some good stuff going on, but it it does fizzle out and it does plod along. It it's, it's just considering, you know, they wanted to come, they really should have come back with a bang, you know. It, the, the The show was literally on trial, you know. The BBC wanted to get rid of it. They they'd already tried, hence the hiatus. Um, so they, you know, they managed to get it back. And as I said, that opening shot is so promising. Um, but you can see that a lot of the budget went on that because the rest of the episode doesn't look particularly great. And yeah, it's, it's not bad, but it, it's not great either. It's just what I would call a very average episode of Dr. Who. And considering, you know, the circumstances surrounding this at the time, I think really it should have been a lot stronger. Um, uh, particularly in some of the casting it as well. I, I, I mean, I like this idea of the trial. I didn't like it at the time as a kid. I found it really annoying. Um, that they kept interrupting the story. I hated this back in the day. Um, well, I hated it, but I didn't like the whole trial idea at all when I was younger, when I first watched this. But over the years, I've, I quite liked the concept. And yeah, it's a really good idea to have the Doctor on trial and Gallifrey and the Valiard and all that stuff. I, I actually quite like that side of it now. But it does pull you out of the story, keep breaking it up. And I think it wouldn't be too bad if they were saying anything that added to the story. So I, even if you know, the trial scenes added something, it would be good. But all they do is say, why are we watching this? This is pointless. Why have you interrupted us again? This is pointless. And I think, yes, it is, <laughs> you know, so it's apart from sort of like the humorous banter between the doctor and the Vallyard in those scenes, they do become quite tiresome. I think so. Just to wrap up, my first final thoughts. Really, uh, I, I was enjoying it for the first sort of couple of parts. It wasn't really grabbing me. I really, by the time we got to episode four, I was quite glad um, to have finished it. Really, I just found it. It just trundled along. It was just a bit of a meh episode. Really, just didn't really set the world on fire. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so yeah, it's okay. It's average. It's just an average lot to story. Very perfectly watchable, but just nothing special at all. Yeah, feels a bit stale, you know, a lot of the ideas in it have just been used so many times before, it just feels a bit stale, and it should have been fresh, I think, considering, you know, what was going on at the time, they should have come back with something really dynamic, and this just feels very, um, run-of-the-mill Doctor Who. Right, right. Yeah. What do you think, mate? What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, there's a reason, dude, isn't there, why the sixth Doctor appears quite low on the majority of people's lists, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's just because, you know, some of it's just not very good. Yeah. You've got to be honest, you know, and this is one of those stories where, oh, crikey, you can see exactly what they were, they were going for. But just a combination of the script and the direction just makes it very, very difficult to enjoy. Just because it it's, uh, I don't know, it's on, like you said, on paper, this should have been a belter. Mm. This should have been an absolute belter. And it, on paper, it just sounds so cool. But there's a few things that just, I don't know, like Robert Holmes is, like you said, is generally considered a great a great writer for Who. But I just feel like this was his last complete story, wasn't it? This was the last time he, he wrote a complete story for Who. I think he was
5: quite ill, wasn't he? I think yeah. he actually died quite mm-hmm. soon after this transmitted or maybe even as it was transmitting, I can't remember. But you'd think, see, Eric Sayward's normally good at this point. If you get a script that's a little bit, you know, okay, Robert Holmes obviously wasn't at his best when he wrote this but normally eric steps up to the plate to sort these things out doesn't he but i think he was being a bit aloof at this point i think him and T weren't getting on from yeah. what i remember from the documentary so he's not really put his stamp on it and i think he possibly considering there are some good ideas in this script he could have possibly <laughs> um brought it up a, a notch or two but i don't think he was really um too bothered at the time I mean I don't know I don't know you know who knows what was going on behind the scenes back then but I know it was a bit of a troubled time for Doctor Who all round really but yeah I yeah. think like you said Robert Holmes great writer but it's not one of his best scripts for lots of reasons
0: yeah and he did yeah so he passed away before this was broadcast so I think he passed oh, right. away in uh, April April or May I believe of 1986 I think and yeah. this didn't go out until September so I think yeah this was so part one the, the, the four parts sorry The mysterious planet he wrote from start to finish i think he did put some stuff down for the other parts but didn't complete them um but the thing is with me for this script is it's very very it just seems like a a do-over because they they this is noted down quite a lot that the story with this one is very very similar to the crotons Hmm. where both stories are essentially the same really it's like a, a an alien machine a robot has uh, sort of got people under control and has sort of forced its own civilization and brings up its sort of brightest talent to sort of conduct all of its stuff for it and stuff like that. So it's very, very similar. So because of that, this feels like we're treading old ground a lot. It does. So the first time I watched this was a few years back. Now, I've only ever seen this whole thing once, by the way. So this is the second time for me watching it through. And uh, yeah, and it happened again when I was sort of towards the end of episode two. And especially into episode three, I thought it feels like it all feels like very familiar Doctor Who in terms of the story on um, the story that's taking place on Ravelox. It all feels very uh, common, you know, treading old ground. The thing that I did like, though, and not many people do, is I like the, the cut back to the courtroom scenes, mm. because I think we see Colin at his best in some of those fun. scenes. Yeah. So yeah. The, the bits that we see uh, on Ravelox, he's okay. He's okay in some of that stuff, but those, when he really loses his, his beep at the vell vale and he starts shouting and going nuts uh, <laughs> to me, that's, that's Colin at his best. He's really cutting loose and, um, but he, he kind of gives it a bit of range as well. Like he's very, he has a mixture of anger, sarcasm, um, <laughs> Uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Sort of uh Um It's quite flippant. Flippant, yeah, and all that stuff, and uh there's another good word as well, indignant,
2: yeah, mm. uh, to well, all of
0: this stuff going on. And he plays those things really well. So there's a bit where where it cuts back to the courtroom and um uh the Valard is basically trying to say, Oh yeah, I, I suppose he's gonna object to this bit again and all that stuff and then he just sort of sits back in his chair and puts his feet up and he's like no no no
2: yeah you know let this bit, like
0: bit play out and <laughs> you know we'll, we'll we'll uncover all the plot holes everything just so he's great in those courtroom scenes i really like him in those bits but i have to say some of it really did pull me out of the actual story that was happening on 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 revelox because it feels like I don't know it feel I can't it feels like there's some fourth wall breaking down stuff happening almost with it because mm. when they're in the courtroom and every, it's really weird isn't it the the extras that they got to play the other time laws must be bored out of their minds because <laughs> they look bored don't they all they do yeah. is they just stand in there staring down at what's happening uh. and then when they say right let's continue they just turn around to watch I the imaginary big screen behind them
5: are they replaced by dummies in the last episode or am I just totally Remember, I'm sure that uh, oh, uh, by the know. final part they just they just stuck some <laughs> shop dummies facing the screen. I, I could be completely wrong, but yeah, my word, they look bored.
0: <laughs> they did, man. Yeah. So in those bits there, when they turn around and they watch what's happening on the screen, I guess what we're watching as the viewer through the um through the 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 courtroom people is the episode itself. So it's almost like. The Time Lords had cameras out on. It, does that make sense? It's because yeah,
5: yeah, how do they have this footage? Exactly, yeah, yeah because we're not.
0: <laughs> they're not watching it through the eyes of the Doctor. It's not like first person perspective through the Doctor's eyes, or yeah, you know, they've got these uh, little, you know, Gallifreyan CCTV cameras knocking around or anything like that. So we're seeing like the BBC production footage <laughs> through the courtroom. So that it kind of. Um, it kind of pulls you out a bit and it almost, I mean, I guess that's kind of the the point where it's trying to make you feel like you're observing along with the, the council what's going on. So you can make your own mind up as well about whether the doctor was doing the right thing or not and that kind of thing. But it just felt a bit weird. Um, but I do like the idea of it though. It's a, it's a cool, it's a kind of a cool concept to cut back and and do that stuff and and it's cool how they progress through the trial of a time lord story as well where they go back in in the past and he's because the Valeyard's basically saying look I'm going to take you through a, a whole time period of the doctor and show you all of his mess ups basically and everything that he's done wrong so i like that we do the past present and in the future stuff as we go through but uh yeah so i think overall it's um it's a bit of a hard one to kick off the series with it's a bit like you said a bit ploddy a little mm. bit um
5: it's a bit by numbers, isn't it? Yeah, exactly totally yeah. by numbers. Yeah. yeah, I think also that you're saying about the the cutbacks as well. I think that's the thing because it, you know, the valleyards using it to try and prove that the doctors meddling causes people to die and stuff. But um, I don't know if if they were watching Revelation. Uh, no, not Revelation resurrection of the daleks when everybody blimmin dies i mean eric saywood kills them <laughs> then you would think yeah i mean he's you know he's got a point there's death every two minutes you know but he's showing this you know ravalock story to the court, and not a lot's really happening because i kept thinking what is the point he's trying to make he's showing shows the doctor and perry walk through the forest because they've just landed but yeah um yes there is a people dying towards the end Of this episode, but I I kept thinking all the way through. This this story isn't even sort of backing up what the Valyard is trying to do anyway. It's kind of just. It's almost as. It almost feels. I know this isn't the case, but it almost feels a bit like a shada, where they had the footage and thought, right, how can we incorporate this story into, you know, this unused footage? How can we use it to make a story? Because it doesn't really translate to what the Valyard's trying to do. I don't think. So it seems like a perfectly sort of watchable story that they're watching. But, yeah, you're not sat there thinking, you know, oh, yeah, the Doctor shouldn't have done that, or you don't question really what the Doctor's doing at any point during, you know, what they're watching, I don't think. Even at the end where people are dying, the Doctor doesn't really do anything specifically that causes that death, apart from, you know, setting the machine to blow up, I suppose. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think the story really... um, Translates to what the Valiard's was trying to do. It doesn't really show on screen that the doctor's meddling has has caused anything particularly bad in terms of you know that bad, if you like.
0: Yeah, no, I read you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a very thin man. It's a very it's thin. It's thin uh, yeah. The Valiard is essential. It's hard to it's hard to say. Some stuff about that without talking about what he does in future stories. Yeah, and that's why he was, does yeah,
5: it. Yeah, um, so I was trying not to do. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I know there will be you know listeners listening along and watching this as we do it for the first time, so I don't want to jump ahead exactly, too much. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's why I was trying to be a bit guarded. I think the other thing that with this story as well, though, the the reason it feels quite ploddy is I I don't know about you, but I feel like that half the cast are really going for it. <laughs> so <laughs> half the in cast, particular. I think, are, yeah. Colin, yeah, Colin. And another um, one. I think Joan Sim as well, normally known for what? Was
0: that? I was going to say, yeah, Joan Sims, yeah.
5: Joan Sims, <laughs> normally known for sort of comedy, but she's playing it very straight. I think she's really good in it. But then the other half of the cast are so flat. <laughs> Those two guys working with Drathrow are absolutely awful. Um, and I don't know what they're <laughs> called. That'll surprise you. i tried I tried to write it down. I think it's tandral and Hunker, possibly. Um, they're so boring that yeah, I mean their performance as well, the way they deliver their lines. I mean, who was the director? Nicholas Mallet I would have been I wouldn't have had that. They they just mumble, there's no there's no sort of you know there's no urgency or anything in anything they're saying. There's you know, they're just literally reading their lines. And I I thought at first, are they trying to be Robotic? Are they trying? Are they doing this on purpose? Are they trying to be unhuman or what? But they're not. They're just talking like this. And well, the robot's going to kill us if we don't work together. I'm thinking, God, put some blimmin' effort in, guys. You're in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they they were particularly bad. But there's a couple of the other members of the cast as well, which I just feel like, and we've said this before. It just feels like they've turned up on set, right? You know, I read the lines and then I'm going to go home and. And I I think they let the side down because I do think people like Tony Selby you know, as as Glitz and um, Glenn Murphy as Dibber, they're great characters and you can see that they're really into the story. They're really trying to sort of give a performance. And so I feel like, yeah, Joan sim Glitz, Dibber, the Doctor, all sort of really trying to inject some energy into this story. The rest of the cast, and I'm quite disappointed in, um, uh, what's his blimmin' name? Tom Chadbon. As more Dean because Tom chat Chadbon now <laughs> did you I'm, I'm sure you do he's obviously um, City of Death he's Duggan isn't he yeah, yeah great character we love Duggan he's really into that part you can tell he's loving it he's also in Blake Seven a great character in Blake Seven so Wait. when when I see Chon, Tom Chadbon's name on the cast list I'm thinking yeah great and he's he's really drabbing it and he doesn't again he just doesn't feel like he's really bothered about being in it. And um, so I feel like half the cast really let this story down. They, there's just no energy from them at all when the other half are really sort of trying to go for it. Um, and I think that lets it down as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree, mate. It's what I was saying earlier, the, the direction along with the script, just make it a real slog sometimes to get through because there are yeah. there is some good stuff in it. There's some, there's some great ideas and some good little, good little nuggets of stuff, but it's all just wrapped up in this very kind of, middle of the road, paint by numbers thing going on. And...
5: I've got to put it down a bit to the direction as yeah, well. I yeah. agree with you. The direction is, is pretty flat yeah. in there. Sorry uh, to Nicholas Mallet, but yeah, it is pretty flat. Because yeah. um, yeah. the sets as well, you got, I love the staircase from like the old tube station. It's all darkly lit and there's a marble arch sign on the floor all dirty. Yeah, that's great. So you get all that and then they go from that straight into a really brightly lit, tacky looking corridor and it's it's just a shame really i mean i know the director's not responsible particularly for that that's the production side of it but you know the, the two, i just find it quite jarring really yeah. you sort of get this sort of gritty side of the story and and then you go from that to almost like um i mean the thing that drafro's living in his base is just looks like a sort of princess fairy tale door castle it's it's <laughs> you know it just looks really tacky i think oh what a shame. Yeah. That's because all the money went on that blimmin' opening shot, isn't it? Colin said it. All the money went on that opening shot, which does look amazing, it does, by the actually. way.
0: For its time, it looks really good. Oh, it yeah. still looks
5: good, doesn't it? Yeah, but it is great. A bit red dwarfish, actually. I always think that when it I see it. It is a bit, it. actually, yeah. Yeah,
0: a bit red dwarfish. We had a slightly different theme as well for this, didn't we? We had a, a bit of a a redo by, what's his yeah. name, Dominic? Uh, Dominic Glenn. Dominic Glenn, Glenn. Yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah, that's the other thing as well. I've never been a fan of the theme. I know, it's not as... Uh. I, think it, I think he said he was given very little time to get it together, but it's a really... It feels very flat, doesn't it? You know, like the Davison theme, goes straight into it, and it's... But when this this one sort of... Again, I hate to use the word, but it just plods, doesn't it? And even when the first few notes of the Doctor Who thing come in, it's just like... Do, do, do. It's, it's really, a, yeah. really subtle, and... I don't know. I've never been a particular fan of this particular theme, I have to be honest.
0: Yeah. It's a good opening shot, though, like you said. Yeah, enough.
5: brilliant model shot. And and the music in the episode itself is pretty decent. Um, I actually quite well, like it. For the most part, yeah. yeah. I
0: quite like it, yeah.
5: It did did Dominic do the theme? Did he do the instrumental music, I mean? Or was uh, it someone else?
0: No, he did. Yeah, he did that as well.
5: Oh, he did that. So I like yeah. the instrumental music in it,
0: yeah. No, it's pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Okay, what did you think to the... Uh, we'll get onto some characters in a second, but what did you think to the idea then that Ravalox was Earth, something that the Chibas completely ripped off in uh, series twelve?
5: I, I liked the idea because um, I, I, I'm not sure if I missed it. I, I was waiting for the explanation though because the Doctor's convinced it can't be at the beginning, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, well, it can't be Earth because it's in the wrong place and stuff like that. So
0: do, did we find out why that had happened? We do, but not until later on.
5: Ah, uh, oh, right, OK, because I I thought I'd missed it because I did, I got to admit, I did Zone Out a few times uh, during this. Um, and I, That's the other thing. Whenever we review an episode, I do try and make myself really watch it. You know, like when I'm watching something just for fun like not for the podcast you know i do i'll be on my phone and because i've normally watched it a hundred times before but when we review an episode i do really try to watch it so that i don't miss stuff um so i'm glad i didn't miss that thing because i didn't get that at all but i like that idea i think yeah. it's a really good idea and i feel it should have been a bigger reveal though because you you get the mystery at the start i thought that's why i liked the first episode mm-hmm. uh probably the best out of the four i thought the first episode sort of gave us some really good mystery to solve um like you know is it earth is it in the wrong place who are these guys this could be the underground tunnel um this could be the underground i mean so that was all good stuff but it didn't feel like it was i feel like the reveal should have been bigger it, it sort of seemed yeah. to fizzle out didn't it a little bit it didn't yeah. go anywhere
0: yeah because it's i like the build-up to that mysterious yeah. part of it as well you know as the name suggests but the uh because that's that's the thing as well it's um the name of the story is is a bit of a giveaway so you think that they would explore that a hmm. bit more about you know the planet and stuff but you know essentially it's just it is earth it's just been relocated by the time lords so uh, but they don't dive into much of that stuff in detail in this story it's just it leaves you a bit hanging it's like okay well cuz it's such a cool thing when they're in that tunnel and she sees the um marble the, arch the marble arts tube is it the tube sign she sees yeah. yeah yeah and that stuff and you think oh what's going on here and but then it sort of get, yeah, gets left behind a little bit but it's a great thing and I, you can see why the chibbers wanted to rehash it a bit because mm. it's a great sort of concept to throw in there but I, I actually think this this version works better if they'd have just explored it a little bit more
5: yeah exactly it yeah. definitely needed to be explored more
0: yeah yeah because the I mean, chivers used it more of a sort of a climate change mechanism to sort mm. of slam in in your face about you know what's ultimately going to happen to the earth if we don't sort of change our way sort of thing whereas this is there's none of that going on with this one it's literally just pure plot part of the story sort of thing but it just fizzles out
5: yeah that's that's what i was saying that we, i think eric say we should have tightened up a few of these ideas because you have got some good ideas and you've got the, the beacon that they're worshiping, you know, that tribe, which mm-hmm. is actually just a beacon that's malfunctioning or whatever. So you have got some great ideas. It's just, they're just kind of put in there, but not sort of really utilized. And again, as I said, I think a script editor, maybe that should have been tightened up and, and expanded on a little bit. I yeah. get they're trying to bring it in later on in the trial story i get all that stuff but yeah it does leave you feeling a little bit unsatisfied by the end of the story um and i think this would be a lot less fun to watch in a sense i think this would be a real real slog if we didn't have dips uh glitz and dibber um because they bring in the comedy element don't they they're a good double act and that's one thing robert holmes is great at writing actually i think he always likes to have a double act um he wrote one of my favourite Blake 7 episodes called Orbit, which has got an amazing double act in in that. Um, so, yeah, if, if you took Glitz and Dibber out of this, um, it would be really hard going, I think, because they do add some nice relief. And there's some great scenes between Glitz and the Doctor um, as well. I think there's some good chemistry between those two. The Doctor's just like, who is this rogue? Um, so that's all good stuff, but... Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? He changes character quite a bit, Glitz, between this and Dragonfire, I think. Uh, not changes character, but he's he's a bit more ruthless
0: in this. He was going to kill the Doctor, wasn't he, at one point? In the very first scene, he's going to shoot him in the head. He was, yeah, there was a, yeah. And there was a, I think both of them. Well, actually, I think more so Dibber. So Dibber, Dibber. there's a few scenes where he's ready to just open fire on people and Glitz yeah. is like... I don't know. We've got to think more about this. We've got to be cunning, and we're going to need these people later, and all that stuff. So he's a bit of a. He reminds me of a bit of a Dell boy. He's, he's a bit, yeah, yeah. He's very much out for himself, and he's always. He seems to have a, a plan up his sleeve a lot, but very rarely does it pan out and work for him. But um, there's something about his character, though. There's something about uh, uh, about Tony Selby, the way he plays it. It's just. I don't know, he's got like a charm, like a niceness about him. So you yeah. can tell he's a bit of a rogue, a bit of a mercenary, um, uh, sort of in it for the money out for himself sort of character. But I don't know, he's got this kind of, he, he's definitely not like a, a tyrant or a murderer, is he? Because when Perry gets thrown into the cell with those two, mm. he's actually really friendly to her. Um, yeah, And they start talking about stuff. So you can tell that he's just not, you know, he's not nasty to everybody. He's just got a very, he likes to plan his ruthlessness in this one a little bit, as I think it's fair to say. And then when we he's see he's a likable rogue, isn't he? Yeah. And then when we see him later in Dragonfire, he's um, hes mellowed a little bit and he's not so, I think he's just happy just to be somewhere where he's not wanted for a change in Dragonfire and he can just have a drink and, and chill and stuff. So, but yeah, he is quite different by the time we meet him again.
5: Do you think he works best when he's with Dibber or do you prefer it when he's on his own?
0: I think he's, well, I I, I don't like one over the other. I think he, work, he works fine with in both. So when he's with Dibber, mm. he's very good because they bounce off of each other. Like, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. And so Dibber seems to be like, uh, because he's a lot younger and stuff, not as much experience, I think he's more willing to just sort of run in and open fire, and get the job done quick, whereas Blitz is more like, yeah, don't worry. we we're gonna need to play the long game a little bit. So, yeah. you know, put your gun back in your pocket, all that stuff. But when we see him on his own later on, he still um he still works really well because he bounces more off the doctor in that one and he's more Yeah.
5: Yeah, he works well with McCoy, doesn't he? Allowed does, have watched yeah. Dragonfire for a, a while. And we have we reviewed it? We have Yeah we did, yeah, didn't we, we, we? Yeah. 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 Um, What about Joan Sims then? Because I saw a little smirk on (laughs) your face when I mentioned the name because obviously most people will associate her with the carry-on films and she's great in those. But what do you think of her in this with her big flowing red locks? That's not her hair, is it? I don't
0: don't think so. No. Um,
5: I don't ever remember having ginger
0: hair. But anyway, yeah, what do you reckon to Joan Sims in this as Queen Katrika? (laughs) Katrika, yeah. Do you know what? In the first couple of scenes, I really liked her. Mm. But then... Uh, the the bit where they blow up the totem, as they call it. Yeah. After that point, they kind of go on a bit of a, a bit of a witch hunt, don't they? And they start looking, hunting down the people that are coming from underground because they want to seize the the planet back and that sort of thing. Yeah. From that point on, I just found it one extreme to the other. So you mentioned earlier that some of the cast are into it some of them are not. So you've got some people that are really just like, I can't wait to get paid by the BBC at the end of this. And then yeah. when, they're, when they're in the scene and they're not talking, you can just see that in their minds they're like, "I've really got to stop at Tesco later. <laughs> I've got to get that lamb, that shoulder of lamb, otherwise the missus is going to go." <laughs> They've got that sort of face going on. So, and then you go to the other extreme where you've got um, you've got Joan Sims who is literally just—it's almost like she's she's in a school play, like a high school play where she's um it feels like nicholas mallet has said look i love what you're doing joan but this ain't the carry-on films anymore right this is (laughs) doctor who you've got to be more serious and and really go for it so that's that's a bit where she's got one of the um one of the guns that she's confiscated off of off of uh, glitz and uh she's like thrusts it up in the air and she's like it's almost like a brave heart moment
5: i know exactly for victory she's
0: proper shouting and yelling and she's like bounding off down the forest and all that stuff and i just thought oh come on Joan, you don't have to you don't have to go that mad with it so i really liked her to begin with she had like a really stern cold uh sort of uh queen victoria ish kind of thing going on but then later on she's just she yeah She's got a she's got a touch of the uh what's his names going on. Our old mate from um uh what's his face?
5: What robots of death or or um
0: he's the guy that we always say, oh, he's really chewing the wood in this one.
5: Or or visitation, because those are the two. So you got
0: to <laughs> City of Death, what's his name?
5: Oh, City of Death.
0: Uh, not City of Death, sorry. Um who did you just the story you just said. <laughs>
5: David Collins,
0: David think? Collins, yes.
5: Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure, because there's David Collins, and also, is it Tony Robbins? Tony, yeah, v- it's done. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking of David Collins, yeah.
5: David Collins, yeah. Yeah, he's giving a bit of theatrics. She is, detract, yeah. It's almost yeah. like,
0: she's like, Dave, I'm in Doctor Who. I really don't know what I'm doing. What advice <laughs> could you give me? And then this is the result. It's like, <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah, so what did you think then? Because I think you quite liked her in this.
5: I, I did, but I will agree that that, um, that scene is cringy when she's like to victory and i i almost feel like she's cringing doing it i feel like she's a bit out of her comfort zone in that scene but yeah no you're right i think in the start she's great because she's very composed playing it very straight and i think yeah she's really good as that sort of quite powerful sort of figure her death's quite horrific isn't it considering that um this this was the season when you know they were told you, you need to tone down the violence. Like so, you know, the Colin Baker had been really criticised leading up to this about the violence. It's one of the things that they used to try and get it cancelled. So that's probably the only sort of particularly gruesome bit in it. But it is quite gruesome. Her face is sort of covered in lines of blood. I thought, oh, that's quite horrific, yeah. um, actually. So quite surprising considering you know they were specifically told because if you watch the production notes they even changed certain lines to make them less violent which really honestly when you see what was originally written on the page no one would have batted an eyelid but they even went to the trouble of sort of softening some of the language in it to make it less violent and then they go and show that and I thought blimey but um no I, I, I quite liked to I, I just in some ways I would have liked to have seen a bit more from it because in my mind I thought she was in it a lot more than she is but um and I'm sure there's some outtakes I was trying to find them on the blu-ray set um I'm sure there's some studio footage of her saying like no idea what's going on <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> she's like fluffing her lines and I was trying to find it yesterday but didn't find it but yeah no I thought she was all right I thought she wasn't too bad I, I feel like a bit like the story that she was a bit of a missed opportunity you know you got a great great sort of um character actor there use her a bit more um make more of her character whereas she started off great and you're right just kind of like just got killed and that was it and i thought oh she wasn't really she didn't really do anything did she
0: no um, i thought talking, exactly the same thing though mate in that yeah. death scene i think it's her and another person from the tribe yeah uh so giraffe he, he electric keeps both of them doesn't he when when they turn around and they've got all those lines of blood everywhere horrible, yeah. that was the first thing that i thought you know um, when I watched this yesterday the first thing I thought which you just said was crikey how they had to be really careful with, with the violence and stuff because we had the whole doctor strangling people mm-hmm. and throwing them in acid and all that lot so yeah. I, I immediately thought crikey how did they get that bit through because it does look a bit you know it's, don't get me wrong it's not, it's not gory or anything like that but for Doctor Who it does look a bit like oh.
5: Yeah, I'd put it up there with the hand crushing scene, which gets a lot oh, yeah. more. Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot more. Um, is, and that scene's always much more gruesome than, in my head than when I watch it. Although it's quite unpleasant from a of side. I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Um, talking of nothing to do, um, poor old Nicola bryant She don't get a lot to do, does she? Oh bless her. She's- Perry. I mean, she. Re- I was kept. I forgot she was
0: in it for half the story. I kept yeah. thinking, like, yeah. where's Perry? She has a couple of alright scenes, like the opening stuff with the Doctor when they first get there.
5: Yeah, yeah, when she's worried about Earth, and you think mm-hmm. she's got this feeling, you think, oh,
0: yeah. But that stuff. but
5: she gets very little to do in this story. She's great in the scene she's in, though. I mean, she's. But yeah, again, it's just like,
2: mm-hmm.
5: you know, it wouldn't yeah. matter if she wasn't in it, unfortunately, because she doesn't really do anything.
0: Yeah, and that, I think that's it. So she has a quite a good scene with with Glitz and Dibber when they're locked up. Yeah. And then when, when they go on the run and she's trying to find the doctor, she's like, she has a couple of co- cool little bits there. But overall, she's quite quiet, really. They haven't really given her much to do. And um, this was also another change, wasn't it? So in the previous series, she was, or her character anyway, was criticised heavily. Had loads of complaints about what she wore. So she was mm-hmm. quite revealing in some stories and a bit, um, yeah. I wouldn't say like provocative, but she was... You know, she, she was a bit more, a lot more skin was on show. Yeah. I think is the best way to put it. So now, from this story onwards, you can tell that they've, because she wears like big jackets and shirts oh, that, that button up all the way. jacket, yeah. yeah. And a lot of her shirts button all the way up nearly to the top. And she's got trousers on and mm. sensible shoes and everything. So you can tell that they've really had to uh, sort of tone that a bit. So, I mean, what a time for Doctor Who. I mean, it must have been awful for. John Nathan Turner and some other people, because yeah, and also the guy that was um, the guy that was overseeing things at the top of the tree at the BBC. I've forgotten the guy's name. Obviously, um, he really, really miffed off. Um, uh, he really miffed off uh, Robert Holmes at the time and Eric Sayward, more so Eric Sayward, because every time that they turned scripts in, he was like, "Oh, that bit's rubbish. That's rubbish. You can't do that bit. And you can't do that." And it's go and rewrite all of that bit. And uh, I think Eric Sayward actually was like, I, I'm bad enough of this. I
5: think, yeah, I was going to say yeah. this is getting near breaking point where Eric was just, I think he just left the office. He'd had enough.
0: Yeah. I think he was just fed up because I think up to this point, um who was the showrunner before um Sayward? Was it
5: uh showrunner? JNT was the showrunner. Uh, do you mean script editor? So, uh,
0: script editor. Sorry. Yeah. Who was it before Eric Sayward? Cause I th- apparently before Eric, all the scripts used to be turned in and they were like, yeah, thumbs up. You know, I, I just don't think people cared enough about doctor who to dive into the scripts in great detail. They just sort of had a quick flick through and like, yeah, that's great. Mm. You know, carry on. But by this time, who was the guy's name? who was in charge of the
5: scrutiny B? a lot more, isn't it?
2: I think. Yeah, So point.
0: yeah, so every script that was turned in, uh, essentially, um, uh, John Powell, that was oh, the guy's yeah. name at the BBC. Uh, yeah, he just used to crucify all the scripts and, uh, I think Eric Saber was just now you're not having it. And then couple that with the fact that all the complaints about the violence and what Perry was wearing and all this stuff, it's just what a horrible environment to try and make a TV show in. It's just not a fun time, it sounds like. And then obviously <laughs> they uh unceremoniously just binned off Colin at the end. He didn't even Yeah. So it's terrible. Anyway, so yeah, it was a, a crappy, crappy time to um to try and make a show still loved by lots of people. I mean, we're talking, this wasn't too bad for its time, not up there with the the huge figures, but we're still pulling in like around 5 million viewers for the first couple of parts and mm-hmm. it dropped down a little bit. So still making a show that a lot of people were watching.
5: I do find it strange actually to think, considering all the stuff you just said, you know, that that was going on at the time. It is weird to then have a whole season where the Doctor's on trial, it, it does seem a little bit like... It's like almost, art
0: imitating life, isn't it? Yeah,
5: it's a yeah. strange thing to do. I mean, when they were talking about the idea in the production office, you'd, you'd think that they would think, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Because <laughs> it is, <laughs> like you said, it's art imitating life a little bit. And we all know how the trial ended um, in terms of the real life, not the story. So it, I always find that an odd thing as well, that this sort of that they went down this route, to be honest, yeah mm. um, yeah. considering everything that was going on in the background uh you're talking about Perry in that when she's in the you know she's in the uh, hut prison with glitz and dibber <laughs> yeah. so that bit where the robot because i want to talk about robots the <laughs> bit where the robot breaks through and the weird sort of tentacles pick colin up and that is odd isn't it when it's carrying colin and what the hell is h- holding him to that machine have they like put a plank down i was <laughs> trying to work out how he was actually being carried by that that dreadful robot um what's it
0: called l1 or something uh is yeah it's uh i don't know it it's not a bad effect it looks oh, it's um, not a
5: bad effect i was trying to work about i was trying to work out how they how they did it like how is it actually carrying colin like that because <laughs> on the first bit he's sort of hugging it isn't it? You can see that they've reversed the film, I think, or something. And he's just holding on to it. But then the yeah. next shot, he's sort of lying flat. And the thing's just sort of got its tentacles wrapped around him, carrying him along. And it obviously didn't move very fast, because the every time we see it, the film has been sped up
2: quite yes. noticeably, yep. hasn't it?
5: Mm-hmm. So every time we see that blue robot, it seems to be moving almost... You could put the Benny Hill theme over it, really. It's like... <laughs> jerky motion that the, the film has been sped up so obviously didn't move very fast but yeah i was just wondering how they did that what
0: yeah it must have had, been they? just a a metal shelf or something that he's something. laying on yeah i bet it wasn't very comfortable oh god no no <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poor old Colin. Old Colin, um, but
5: what yeah. did you think i want to talk about robots what did you think because i do like the design of drathrow although he's a bit of a he's a rubbish villain really He's not very timid. He's not very scary, is he? Yeah. Apart from the horrific death. I mean, he's so clunky, he can hardly move and he can't go outside.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a it's terrible... A bit
5: of a, but it, I like the design of him in a way.
0: <laughs> I like the head. I like the top part of it. It looks quite menacing mm. and stuff. But he's a yeah. terrible robot. I mean...
5: He is a terrible robot. <laughs> along with him
0: being clunky and stuff. And the the electrocution stuff is, is kind of cool. However yeah. horrific it might look but there's a couple of things that really let it down for me in terms of being a robot and that the first one is he always seems to be low on batteries like every time he (laughs) wants to do something he's like my power sources are nearly low and all that stuff and you think well you're a robot mate why can't you just keep yourself fully charged and he Mm. never leaves the lab either so he's always he's around all the charging stuff anyway but Anyway, he, he always needs
5: humans to do all his work. Then exactly. His arms can't, they can only move up and down. They can't move to the side.
0: Exactly, yeah. And then at the end, as part of his downfall, he succumbs to Glitz's BS story. The worst and goes, trick, yeah. The worst. <laughs> this is a robot, and he's having some kind of emotional dilemma, like a human would. He's like, yeah. oh, I don't know. You're telling me that you've got all of this black light stuff in your ship that sounds amazing but you're a bit of a shifty character i don't know whether to trust you or not and it's like you're a robot it's like ones and zeros is this a good idea yes or no no let's kill him
5: and he goes out and he's like yes i think i i think i would like to go outside and see your spaceship exactly yeah the the way that
0: the lines are delivered up to that point he's they've tried really hard to make him robot like he's like very like um binary you know yes or no like yes this is great or you must die or whatever but at yeah. the end he has like a bit of a attack of i don't know he has like a bit he of turns a crisis into metal mickey doesn't he <laughs> yeah he's like oh oh like just, uh, just the way that the lines are, are read by the actor it, they, it turns very much from uh go away to oh <laughs> like the emotion in the way the lines are delivered it's like oh that sounds like a pretty good idea you've got there actually <laughs> yeah. glitz let's let's get this into action <laughs> okay cool let's do that and then you can so that part of it really just undone all of the coolness for me from uh
5: it did. He's not scary at all.
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: I mean, That's who would it. trust Glitz? And also, the whole thing about the robot is he's trying to... He's convinced that he's superior to humans, isn't he? He's like, of course we should survive over humans because we're much more intelligent. I'm thinking, really? And you're just going to go and have a look at Glitz's spaceship? Oh, it does. It all goes out the window at the end. It does, It really yeah. does. And those
0: <laughs> two guys, the two blonde chaps that he's got working for him... Oh,
5: they are terrible. Bloody
0: annoying, those guys. It's like...
5: They survive as well. They come out the end thinking, oh, if anybody should have been electrocuted, it's you two. Oh, who decide, Who let them live?
0: Crikey, Moses, I know. Oh, and the thing is, they don't even have any good bants, like the two of them as they're no. going through the motions and doing all their calculations and all that stuff. Um, they just bicker with each other a lot and it's like, I've, I figured this out. Well, I think you'll find I figured it out. Oh, shut up, blah, blah, blah. And then the drathrow comes in and he's basically like you two stop knucklehead <laughs> yeah. stop bickering or <laughs> the whole thing just is very bizarre to me it's just like uh and even when the doctor fools him as well there's a great scene where the doctors the uh, drathrow has said look um and that's another funny thing as well he's like you're you're human but you're very clever basically so you can help out so the doctor's doing his thing and then he's like right you hold that lever you do that and he electrocutes them and runs off uh, even then the two of them are just like how did he do that oh, i don't know and
5: it's all very bizarre the thing is with those characters as well is you can see what they were going for you see what they were trying to do trying to make two little funny characters but a the actors put no enthusiasm into the performance and b they're not written sharp enough so they they, there's again there's a missed opportunity there they could have been really funny little side characters that we often get in dot two we're like oh those two were funny though you know but they're not they're (laughs) they're, they're just really bland and badly acted yeah they're terrible those two they
0: (laughs) are mate yeah yeah um and i guess kind of lastly um what did you think to the the performances in the courtroom. I know we picked up on it briefly earlier on. Oh, yeah, on, but, of course uh, we haven't even talked about it, yeah. Yeah, but Michael Jason obviously, is the and Very good. Uh, Linda Bellingham, straight out of the OXO adverts, as the <laughs> the Inquisitor. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
5: she walks in with a, <laughs> a, a tub of gravy. Oh, no, hang on, sorry, let me just pop that back. Shouldn't have that in my head.
0: I got quite hungry watching those scenes because I was like, I could fancy a roast now with a bit of gravy. You could
5: smell the oxo. Like, mm, uh, so she um, was quite cool, actually. She is yeah. good in it. Yeah, she's a good, um, she gets a good line between being sort of almost comedic in terms of her banter with the Doctor to being quite straight-laced and stern. So yeah, no, I, li- I like Linda Bellingham in this and obviously Michael Jason Valliard. Um, he is quite a pantomime villain, but good because they're you know he doesn't stray into to me to my opinion anyway he doesn't stray too far into the ridiculous but he is good i find him quite menacing I, I love all the stuff between him and the doctor like you said it is good fun so yeah no those two are great i really yeah they do add something t- to a much needed bland story they they definitely bring in some fun to it those three yeah, yeah. and, yeah.
0: and they were very uh, very intense awesome. as well so the bits where yeah especially the two-in and throw-in between the Doctor and the Valyard. It's like really, um, they're just, neither one of them is letting up. You know, you've got the Valyard who's, Michael Jason's just brilliant as the Valyard. He's just yeah. very like, I don't know, he's like, he's got his mission in his head. Nothing that the Doctor says is going to sway him. He's got his evidence supposedly and he's cracking on. And and then you've got the um, uh, the Inquisitor, Linda Bellingham. She's trying to sort of, it is a courtroom after all. So she's trying to sort of get them to settle down and, and stuff. But the way that that bit was written really liked all of that stuff because it had a real, um, a, a real world courtroom feel about it where every time the doctor would come in with something, she was like, yep, you'll have your chance to, to do that later. And, you know, she, the way she directs it and stuff. Mm. So I, I, I think I like the courtroom stuff more than the story stuff for me in this particular yeah. uh, part anyway.
5: It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I do get what you mean. I totally hear you. I think it would be a lot. Although as I know, I said earlier, they are a bit pointless. They do add a fun element to it. They certainly, although they take you out of the story, they they still add something to it. Um, I'll see how I feel by the time we get to the end of it, whether because it, it does keep happening. We keep cutting back to it. Um, see how it goes. But yeah, yeah, it is fun. And the three of them, the Doctor you know, Valiard and the Inquisitor very, work really well together, don't they? It, you team. Know, yeah. yeah, so they did definitely um, bring the story up a bit, yeah. Yes, mm. yep. The only other notes I've got is like uh, there was a couple of little uh, little fun things thrown in for the long-time Who viewer. So uh, I like the fact the Doctor mentions his age. He's like, oh, I'm... Because they keep calling him the old one. And again, the Colin's ilk. great yeah. at that sort of humour stuff, isn't he? He's like, the old one, getting all pompous. So he says he's 900 years old in this. Uh, we know the Doctor's age fluctuates there's a bit where he gets a bang on the head I think it's when the robot drops him and he seems to do it he sort of turn, does a terrible impression of the third Doctor oh, yeah. I think that's who he's supposed to be he's like where is, it? How is that you Sarah Jane yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's nice to see Sarah Jane getting a mention albeit in a terrible third Doctor impression and um, I did like the fact that Glitz gets and I've, I've never noticed this before I don't know how I've missed it But how Glitz have you not is, noticed this? I don't Come know. Uh, well, maybe I did, but I did. I, I wrote it down today because I have just not. I I've probably fell asleep by this point. <laughs> normally watching this, but Glitz says um, five rounds rapid as well, which is a nice little yeah. thing. Yeah, five so rounds those, rapid yeah, should do it. Yeah, which is great, and it's um. I think. I think if it had been someone else saying it and not glitz, it could have been very cringe that could have been like, Oh dear, oh dear. But I like glitz, so it kind of works. I kind of th- I thought that was a nice little thing for him to come out with. So I liked those little nods, those little throw-ins. Mm-hmm. Um finally though, I wanted to ask a little bit of a quiz, right? How many how many different versions of the valiards can you name that the doctor says? So I'll give you one. So for example, the first one he calls him is the boatyard
0: oh the how, boatyard yeah he calls in the um,
5: boatyard how many more just this story because we've got more to come i think he's i've noted one two three four five so one of those five is the boatyard. can you get any of the other four the graveyard yes yep. tick. that's the next
0: one uh what's the other, uh i can't remember the other ones mate i, I know those two though yeah what are the other ones
5: So you've got the farmyard, the scrapyard, and the knackers yard. Oh, the knackers
0: yard, of course, yeah. 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 He's really good when he says that one because he's proper screaming at him.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colin's great at delivering those. He really is. Um, (laughs) He is going up a bit in my estimations, Colin. He's, He's... I suppose I, when I think of Colin, I think of his stories, and there's not a, a lot of his stories that I enjoy. But then I forget how much I enjoy Colin's performance in a lot of these stories. Yeah, he's a bit of a sort of a Matt Smith in that sense of even when you get a, a rubbish story, mm-hmm. he sort of at least brings something to it. He's all he's quite enjoyable to watch, isn't he? They yeah. definitely mellowed his relationship with Perry as well, which is definitely needed.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Yeah, because yeah. it was a little bit. Not difficult to watch, but a little bit sort of rolling your eyes every two minutes on some yeah, of the previous. Yeah, too stories. much
5: bickering before. Yeah, way too yeah. much bickering. Yeah, yeah. so off. we get to see a bit of a softer side of the Sixth Doctor in this story, which is very welcome. Good to see.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yoth.
5: Yeah. I don't think I've got anything else.
0: Yeah, me too, mate. I think we're I think we're pretty much done. We can slap a score on this one. Yeah. It's uh, you to go first, buddy. So Mysterious Planet kicking off Trial mm. of a Time Lord. What you got?
5: Yeah, I, I found this quite difficult to score, I'll be honest with you, because it's not great. I'm, I'm going to, I'll go with what I wrote down, which is 6.5. I was sort of nearly a 7. I thought it's, it's kind of <laughs> average, but I, d- I don't think it even quite reaches those, those levels. So 6.5 for me, a bit drab, I thought, as an opener.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going to go with a 6, mate. A
5: six. Oh, I thought you might go over seven. Okay, that's good then. That makes me feel better.
0: Yeah, I'll go over six. It's a, it's a bit of a difficult watch to crack on with. So if somebody said to us, Would you recommend we watch Trial of a Time Lord? <laughs> yeah. We'd have to say, uh, Yes, absolutely. It has got some great stuff in there as you go through it, but you're going to have to get through part one first. You're going to have to get through the mysterious planet. You can't skip it because it lays the foundation for what the Valeyard's trying to do, but you have to watch it.
5: Yeah, yep. and, it, 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 and I think I thought, from the first two episodes, I thought this is going to be a seven. I thought, oh, it's okay, but it just falls flat after that, I think. So, mm-hmm. didn't quite make it to a seven. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so a 6.5 from him, six from me. What did mm. our awesome listeners think? Let's kick off. Yeah. We had a bunch of, uh, you guys dis- didn't disappoint again, you know, with the old audio reviews. Great. Right. We had a few in there, so let's kick off. First of all, a regular reviewer from Dan Under, Sammy Satine.
3: Get out. Hey Gary and Adam Sammy Satine here. So the Mysterious Planet, I enjoyed this one. The Sixth Doctor on TV is mostly a miss for me, mainly because of the violence, but he is pretty awesome on Big Finish. I like the Valiard. Michael Jaston does an excellent job. Linda Bellingham does a good job too. Savlon Glitz is introduced here. They're not seen till Dragonfire after Trial of the Time Lord ends. Nice to see Perry and Sixie not arguing for a change. I really hate seeing them argue. Also, nice long hair, Colin. I like his umbrella. I give it seven black lights out of ten. See ya.
0: Black lights are
5: seven. Oh, th- I, I my internet cut out at the end. I didn't hear the end of that. I'll uh, I'll listen when we when it goes out. But how many did Sammy score it?
0: Sammy gave gave it seven black lights out of ten.
5: Seven black lights. Okay. And That's she liked cool. his umbrella. Yeah. Oh, that's the bit I didn't hear. Yeah, I heard most of it, just the last few seconds. Should you like the umbrella? Yeah, it's like nice. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's nice. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Very colourful.
0: Yes, thank you very much, Sammy Seven. Uh, this is next up, George Puddy. So,
4: the mysterious planet. While having some good ideas, mainly the idea of a random planet turning out to be Earth, this story also has some pretty unforgivable ideas. Most of the characters are just irritating, and the plot is more confusing than anything, as well as being thoroughly uninteresting when it comes to everything to do with the l robot, which is focused on a lot more than anything to do with the planet itself, which is actually the more interesting idea in my opinion. Although Colin Baker is actually really good, as is Tony Selby is glitz, and the opening model shot is still incredible, to this day i also like how the Sith Doctor and Perry's relationship is a lot more nicer than the annoying friction between them in season 22 so this story has a lot of good ideas but it's also quite annoying i'll give it a 5 out of 10 see you guys next week
0: a 5
5: a 5 from George yes i pretty much agree with everything George just said
0: yeah i love that it's a pretty good story but it's quite annoying yeah <laughs> can get on board with that mate yep. yeah uh, thank you very much george george a uh, five from george moving on this i think this is a, a first time reviewer i could be wrong but i think this is a newbie so let's all Ooh. welcome aboard uh, david carlin
4: hey garen adam i'm david and wow's the mysterious plant had everything i wanted from a Doctor Who story tension action and comedy colin bacon controls the screen as a slightly odd trial scenario began Watching, I actually didn't know whether I wanted more trial scenes or story scenes. The story on Earth itself is strong and would have held up on its own. Nearly every character adds something to the story except those annoying blonde plonkers. Oh, and is it just me or did Glitz and Dibber remind you of Panic and Pain or from Disney's Hercules? Probably just me. <laughs> Jethro may not be the strongest villain in any Doctor Who story, but he's used to drive the story to a strong conclusion even if he did put his trust in Panic and Pain at the end. Dominic Glynn's music and theme enhanced the episode for me. Oh, and I did enjoy the little mention of Sarah Jane. What more to say, really? I would give this 8 out of 10. Till next time.
5: An 8. 8 out of 10 annoying blonde plonkers. Blonkers, yeah. <laughs> that is the best description of them. Yeah, yeah.
0: and I do agree. With, if you're talking about Panic and Pain from, I think it's the animated film, Hercules, and I do agree, David, yeah. It's a... Uh, the two plunkers indeed. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm pretty sure you're a first timer, David. I could be wrong, but uh, uh, just welcome, welcome aboard, buddy. If you are a first timer, good to have you as a an audio reviewer. Uh, right, moving on. This is Mr. Craig Bryce.
2: Hi guys, hope you're both well. So, the mysterious planet. What do I think of this one? Well, it's never going to be regarded as one of the best Robert Holmes stories, but if you go into this, if you haven't seen it before, and don't. ...expect it to be like any other Robert Holmes story... ...like The Caves of Androzani, for example... ...I think you'll get a lot more from it... ...it's a comedy story... ...and I think it's a nice start to the Trial of a Time Lord series... ...what takes a darker approach towards the latter half of the series. I mean, you've got, I think you've got a really good guest actor with Joan Sims, who's renowned for comedy, but in this, she plays it absolutely straight, and I think she does a really good job. You've got Michael Jason, who's absolutely superb as the Vaylord, absolutely brilliant. Um, you've got the comedy relief with Glitz and Dibber, who I think are really two fun characters i really enjoy them uh i think Drafthrow, the robot i think that's an interesting design and a really good concept yeah i really enjoy this one i can easily put it on and watch it anytime i'm gonna give it a 7.5 out of 10 cheers guys speak to you next week bye nice
0: one another 7.5 yeah So uh what did you give it you gave it a 6.5 didn't you 6.5 yeah. yeah Uh glad you enjoyed that craig mm-hmm. Um, right moving on this is martin arnold
3: mysterious girl by doctor who oh i'm sorry mysterious planet by peter andre is um actually <laughs> not a bad story and i think the trial of a time lord is actually uh i really enjoy it i'll be honest uh i think it's ambitious um they up production values a little bit so they were clearly intending to make this work even though the bbc had to show under the cosh. And I think it brings out uh, the best in the actors, uh, and it's good to see that the in-character relationship between Perry and Old Sixty is is pretty solid. Um, I do think that the story is a little convoluted and it's a little slow, but it's 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 a slow burner, and Doctor Who does those really well at times, um, and it makes you think, and that's what Doctor Who should be about. I, I like it. I give this a seven out of ten. Um, I like that we're introduced to characters like Glitz there's a sort of whimsical facade to the whole sort of story. Um, but at the core, there's this interesting subplot with it, with it being Earth that I think actually really makes this uh, an interesting story. I'm looking forward to discussing the rest of these as well. So I'll give it a seven out of 10 and uh, cheers for now.
5: Seven. Seven of seven. Oh, yeah, I'm looking, f- i must assuming I'm looking forward to going on this journey again. I'm a- When we, first talked about doing trial time all, i was a bit like no, oh, i don't know it's not my not one i go to but yeah see it's, it's got me invested enough so i agree i agree
0: on that point yeah same martin yeah i wasn't mm. looking forward i will be a hundred percent honest with you guys no. but when we were talking about doing this i was like oh crikey may's gonna suck <laughs> but i must admit now that i've got this one out the way i'm really looking forward to next week yeah and doing the rest. Me too. Of them. so yeah so a seven for martin cheers buddy uh, two more this is alex kingdom
1: Hello, Gary and Adam of the Big Blue Box podcast, how are you all doing? Now, the Mysterious Planet, I've never seen Charlotte of Time before, and Adam did warn me that it's a bit, he didn't know what he thought either, um, and Mysterious Planet, oh, I think it just sums up the era for me, I don't think that Colin Baker's era is really for me, and that's, you know, I mean, fair play to anyone that enjoys it, I just couldn't get into this, I can, I don't know, I feel bad because a lot of people love Colin, and I do like Colin, I think in the role he's very good, I think it's the writing that lets it down, this is another one of those cases, where it just doesn't work for me, uh, maybe it'll get better as the time goes on, but right now I'm giving it down the middle of the road, 5 out of 10, um, it just, I don't know, sorry to be so negative, I hope that over the month I can find something else out of it, but right now, it just didn't do much for me, but I'll give it 5 just for Colin's sake.
0: Middle of the road eh? 5 for Colin. Five for Colin <laughs> from Alex, yeah. Yeah. Now, I read you, Alex. I um, had a very similar thought mate. Uh, going through it. I only gave it an extra point because the courtroom scenes are really cool for me. There's just uh, not many of them compared to the story. But, yes, a five from Alex. Mm-hmm. And lastly, this is Mr. Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys are well and having a good week. So, kicking off the Trial of a Time Lord Saga, we have The Mysterious Planet, I really don't know what to say about this story. The story itself is very weak. The only plot points really are getting captured, then escaping again, then getting captured again, and escaping again, and on and on until the end of episode four. However, I thought the acting on the whole was good, and I thought the effects and the spaceship scenes held up well. This is my first time watching any Sixth Doctor story, and I must say, so far, I'm not impressed. I really hope he has better stories written for him. I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of 10. I uh, hope this improves, uh, and I will see you guys again next week. Oh, dear.
5: Oh, dear. Matt I do I do like the fact there's some people watching this for the first time. Hmm, I think it's yeah. interesting for people's first opinion on this because I sort of go into it with a bit of baggage because of watching it back in the day, if you see what I mean. So it's interesting to get people's first you know, views yeah. on this. Especially
0: mm. if this is the first time you've watched any Sixth Doctor as well. It yeah. Must be a bit, um, I mean, yeah. if
5: you were going to recommend a Sixth Doctor story for anyone that's never seen him, what would you go for? Because I wouldn't go with, like you said earlier, I wouldn't pick Trial. I'd probably pick, oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, People will say Vengeance on Varys, but I find that, we've reviewed it so I can <laughs> say this, I find that such a dull story. Great, great concept but a bit really boring to watch so i wouldn't pick that um oh, I'm not sure. i'd probably go a revelation of the daleks maybe i don't know attack see attack of the sidemen i think it's a bit it's difficult with colin i don't know what would i'd recommend probably a big finish to be honest
0: yeah it is a bit um it's such a tricky one with colin because it depends on how you view on how you view uh him 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 as a doctor Mm. Uh, not so much the stories because a lot of the stories were actually pretty decent um it's more around how you feel about colin as the doctor i mean revelation's pretty good um i don't know the two doctors has got a charm about it but it's not the best kind of story Mm, i don't know it's a tricky mark
5: of the rani maybe
0: the mark yeah isn't too bad yeah, it's Pip and Jane's story. That and it? it's uh, yeah, it's not too bad actually. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few Matt, um, but probably wouldn't I wouldn't cash all your chips <laughs> on um, all of the Colin ones being amazing. There's a few, there's a few decent ones in there for sure. But uh, yeah, so that's going to do for audio clips. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time to record your audio reviews and get them in. We love this part of the show, and we're going to move on to some social stuff. You guys flooded Twitter, so I'm going to rattle through a lot of these. Um uh what about Mr. Plaxton <laughs> is a cool name. So at Bob Rushy says, uh Mysterious Planet is very formulaic, uh, formulaic, uh, but after season twenty-two it's very welcome. Some great Holmes lines and the character of Glitz, uh, especially awesome. Mm. Uh Rick Moran from The Dwas says the most ah. striking and positive aspect of this for me is that Colin Baker's characterization of the Six Doctor is very changed from the previous season. Yeah. Uh, here he is shown at last to be caring, likeable, warm and funny. Even his pompicity, pomposity is played for laughs now instead of being an unpleasant irritant. Uh, finally makes a Doctor endearing, kind and heroic. Uh, not Robert Holmes' best, but silly good script, a six out of ten.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A really good point there, Rick. One of the things that a lot of people, it's very, very common opinion about Colin, was that he can be just very grinding at times, like just his constant... Um, like his candor is just very up tight and very short and stuff. So it, it's very different direction in the script for him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Genesis of Andrasani says, uh, the story is very formulaic on purpose. And I think that works really well for exposing, exposing how the Valeyard is willing to nitpick uh, the doctor as much as he can try and find him guilty. I love the way he tampers with the matrix to try and find and bend it in his way. Uh, overall, seven out of 10. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Dalek 100, a weird story, this one, and it seems rather forgettable. It doesn't help what Chibnall did to this story with Orphan 55, <laughs> which is annoying. I think that Doctor and Perry are a great duo together in this one. Glitz is one of my fave six Doctor companions through the trial series. A seven out of 10.
5: Seven, okay.
0: Yeah. Our writer, Jordan Shortman, says, a really good story. I've still got it on video in the TARDIS tin. Oh, I've since oh. upgraded it to Blu-ray.
5: Yes, I've just dug my TARDIS tin out. I'll post a picture.
0: Is this <laughs> the old VHS? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I yeah. found
5: mine the other day as well, yeah. Oh, nice. I'll put yeah, a yeah put a picture
0: Yeah. I will. Uh, he goes on to say, I much prefer the chemistry between Six and Perry here as the nastiness seems to have calmed down a bit. As uh, all filmed down near me. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. A good opening story, even the trial. Uh, mm. John Griffith says, Maled... I find the doctor guilty of name calling the knacker's yard, of injecting fun into contrived court scenes, yeah. not easily defeating two rubbish robots, and encouraging people to run around a lot. Mm. <laughs> I sentence him to three weeks more of this story. <laughs> uh, he says, Love the doc, love Glitz. A six out of 10.
5: Six. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh,
0: Nick H., uh, Heisenberg Pod, says, Really unfocused nonsense. Uh, oh. the main plot is drivel and the trial scenes are not much better. Colin does his best, but this is the beginning of the end for the classic series. Mm. A three out of 10. Oh dear. Three. Oh. Yeah. Max, Max cat 36 says the mysterious planet is an amazing episode from classic. Who. It's the first story in the trial of a time or collection. I think uh, a series of modern who should replicate this sort of idea of a story, uh, of a series long story someday. I really like the idea and Colling is amazing. Uh says, oops, I forgot to rate it. I give it eight parries out of 10. <laughs> yeah, they've never done this sort of thing since. Uh, this whole thing where it cuts back and goes back and forth from a trial mm. perspective or anything. So I think one of our re- reviewers did say it was very ambitious. It uh, is. And I do. like
5: it for that. I like the fact it's ambitious.
0: Yeah. Uh, those fine chaps, the Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Uh, the mysterious planet always remains mysterious upon rewatch because five minutes after it's over I always forget what's happened in it. <laughs> uh, not the strongest of season openers by a long shot but it's still an enjoyable story. I'm a sucker for the trial stuff and Colin's ear in general a six out of ten. Six, okay. Edward Galluli A Guilty Pleasure one of my fave six doctor stories. The twist that they are on Earth is a good one. Colin is a bit mellower which I prefer and the guest mm. cast are great. Uh, gives it a seven. Seven, yeah. Sarah was- Louise The Running Hoovian ah always running yeah Uh, never stops never stops a first watch for me and then a second i didn't feel i had enough to say about the episode i found it interesting in parts quite funny in others but it didn't grab me that said Mm. we usually watch a complete story so for review maybe it'll grow on me currently a five out of ten okay tf productions i've never liked this one (laughs) The, the brilliant and much improved chemistry between the doctor and perry sort of make up for a dull script it has its moments uh, Tony Selby is another who makes this story watchable as glitz. Uh, in short, it's just okay, a five. Five, okay. Fair uh, enough. DW Sebling, it's an odd one. I remember watching this one last year, but I remember nothing from the episode itself. <laughs> it's not <laughs> terrible, but it really isn't anything special in my eyes. And lastly, Brian Chapman. Uh, he's been chatting plenty over on the Discord recently. says, a hard slog, this one. Four Queen Katrikas, Katrikas out of ten. Well, okay fair enough oh dear and over on Facebook we had just a few there uh, Charlie Turner an okay start to the season best thing about the entirety of the season is the Valeyard, uh, a magnificent villain 5 out of 10 for the story 9 out of 10 for the performance that Michael Jason gives so far mm-hmm. fair enough uh, Thomas Richard nice start to the season it's nice to see Collins, Doctor Mello especially with his relationship with Perry you mm. get the sense sometime he has gone Uh, Some time has gone on since we last saw them. Uh, Not the best for Robert Holmes, but good considering his condition at the time. Five out of ten. And lastly, Joseph Howarth says, well, that was a fun story. Uh, Joseph said sarcastically. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, this story is just a drag to watch. It's hard to get invested in this story when the court scenes interrupt the flow of the actual story. Uh, it goes back and forward. The Valyard never shutting up, no matter what. Uh have no disrespect, disrespect towards Michael Jason, who was fantastic as the character, but the amount of times the court said scenes happen in just about every other minute of the story. Uh, aside from Glitz, there's literally nobody in the supporting cast they care about because they are either one, poorly acted, or two, ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, it goes on to give it not much more praise uh, and ends with a five out of ten all right <laughs> yes so a bit of a divide for this one birdie
5: yeah i think this is a bit i think the trial of time lord season is perhaps a little bit more for hardcore fans but that's not to say anybody who isn't shouldn't give it a go but i think yeah most of the people who sort of rate it highly are, are gonna be sort of really into that sort of thing i don't know yeah. we'll see yeah. as we go through it but yeah
0: Yes, we'll sure see indeed. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody, for leaving your leaving your reviews and thoughts. It's awesome. Love this part of the show because we get to gauge what fandom thinks of certain things and if we're completely off the boil with what's going <laughs> on. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much. So next week, bud, pretty obvious, but what are we on to next week?
5: Yeah, so next week, yeah, we'll be moving on to the second part or the second story, if you like. Uh, a bit of Sill next week, isn't it? Sills in this one. He's <laughs> back.
0: Spoilers. It's Mind Warp mind warp indeed did you watch this at the bfi
5: yeah mind i always warp. think you were with me were you not with me i was one? not at that
0: one oh, no. i
5: always think you were for some reason i don't know we must have talked about it afterwards yes i was at the bfi for this oh cool so we're on the cool. big screen um but yeah good because i shall give it another watch obviously next week before we review it cool
0: cool hmm. cool so yes yeah. uh mind warp next week and i think we'll do there bud for 266 go on do you sill thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for sticking with the show and listening this week to episode 266 it's been wonderful to have you all watching trial of a time lord Some of you found it a bit of a slog, as expected, but some surprise scores, I must say. I never thought I would see Trial of a Time Lord reading out that somebody gave it a 9 out of 10. That's interesting. (laughs) But, you know, everyone's thoughts are their thoughts, so it's great uh, to have them all in. 6.5 from Adam, 6 from me. Next week, as Adam said, we're continuing, as we are for the rest of May, for the Trial of a Time Lord series. Next week, Mind Warp, so get your DVDs out for that. And uh yes, we'll uh, plough through another Six Doctor story uh, next week. In the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the shows on there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast apps and networks. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. That way, you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. There's also buttons there to go off to the various social uh, networks, or just do a search for us, the Big Blue Box Podcast. You'll find us on there. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week we'd love to have you over there as we waffle and nonsense there we've also got a discord server the links on the website come and hang out and chat doctor who over there and also check out my co-hosts youtube channel the geeks handbag
5: yes go and have a look at the geeks handbag
0: go and have a ganders
5: lots of vids on there for you to yes. watch
0: yeah there's a link to adam's channel on the website as well by the way in the sidebar if you don't want, if you can't be bothered so go and search for it just uh, go and click the link and you'll, you'll land on it get a cup of tea ready if and, you're like uh,
5: me just on the sofa and everything's just too much hassle
0: yeah, yeah get a cup of tea ready and uh, spend an hour or so going through Adam's videos loads and loads of cool stuff over there yeah. and Adam is on the socials as well under yes. the same name The Geek's Handbag Indeed. The Geek's Handbag
5: I'm on all I love the socials
0: Instagram Twitter and Facebook.
5: Facebook the lot yes
0: <laughs> and because there's loads of stuff going on with dr who right now as well um, th- th- we're obviously talking about it a lot as well so um mm. yeah come and get involved over there just uh, give us a like and a follow and uh, yeah chat doctor who so until next week for episode 267 and our review of mind warp my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and a-